Hello and welcome to another brand new edition of the Current Account. This is a very special one for us. For the first time, we're getting a banker on the show to share with you his professional and allied personal journey. If you're in Chennai, taking the metro or any form of public transport, you possibly couldn't have missed seeing the bright blue banners of Equitas Bank. With us today is Mr. P. N. Vasudevan, the MD CEO and also the promoter of the bank. Here, he talks about the journey as a promoter and what all it's taken for him to get the bank to where it is today. Listen in. What prompted you to give up cushy employment in one of the large financial conglomerates of the South and you were holding a good position there to give up that and uh, look at something like MFI as a part of interest for you? And what was the transition like back then when you started the journey? You know, I used to work in Cholamandalam Finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for about 20 years there. I started the vehicle finance in Chola in mm-hmm. uh, 1991. Till mm-hmm. then, we were only doing corporate loans. So, retail loans for the first time, we started in 1991. Mm-hmm. And uh, I set up the first few branches uh, then. And uh, then was heading it uh, till 2005. Mm-hmm. So, for 15 years, I ran the vehicle finance uh, division. And mm-hmm. after some time, we had stopped uh, corporate lending in Chola. Mm-hmm. So it became only vehicle finance. The mm. entire business of Chola was uh, only vehicle finance. And uh, you know, the Murugappa Group and uh, Cholamandalam are very professionally run. And uh, even though they are family owned and all that, but uh, there's a lot of freedom given to the professionals mm. in that group. Mm. And uh, it's very often very common to find professionals who spend 30, 35, 40 years in that group mm. and then retire. Because the environment is very conducive for professionals to work. So even I was enjoying my life in Chola and uh, I had no thought of leaving Chola ever <laughs> at all. But you know, in 2005, we entered into a joint venture with the DBS Bank of Singapore. Yes. And uh, the Morugappa Group and the DBS Bank became joint uh, know venture uh, promoters of Chola mm. each holding 37 and half percent at that time the entire uh, arrangement or plan right from the beginning of the discussion at DBS was that I would be the CEO of the joint venture company and uh, that's the arrangement on which the whole relationship was developed what finally happened when DBS uh, came in the, after the investments we had the first board meeting there they said that they wanted somebody from their side to be the CEO and not from the group side even though I'm not a family member of the group, you know, I'm a professional, but they still regarded me as a group person because I've been there for a long time. And the group uh, was not able to say no to that request. Mm. So suddenly I had no space. <laughs> I had no space and you know, it was like my house or it was like my home for 20 odd years. And then there was suddenly no space. So I had to leave. I went to Bombay. I worked in uh, DCP Bank for a year and a half. So I joined them as head of consumer banking. For the first time, I got an experience of uh, both liability and uh, lending. Then again, my daughter, who was about uh, maybe two, two and a half years old at that time, she was not able to stand the pollution level of Bombay. She was continuously having problems. And mm. finally, they said that she was beginning to develop bronchitis. So we have to shift back to Chennai. Yeah. So I came back to Chennai in the middle of 2007. And uh, that's when this whole thought of starting microfinance uh, came. And that's where Equitas was born. So what I can say is that it is not like, you know, I had a dream and I had a plan. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like that. It it just happens things, you know, just kept happening one after the other. And uh, sometimes unplanned things are more successful than you plan out for. When you were looking at listing for Equitas holding, you said that ultimately it makes sense to 
do any of the lending business through the banking model what was the thought process with which you came out with this conviction converting into a bank in india there are uh, two lending institutions one is a nbfc and the other is a bank mm-hmm. obviously you have lot of uh, successful stories of uh, banks and also mm-hmm. you have a few successful stories of nbfc mm-hmm. so it's not like you can't be an nbfc or you have to be a bank only it's not mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. but still if you look at it from a seriously long term mm-hmm. perspective then uh, a bank is the right model to create scale to create stability and to create sustained value for all stakeholders bank is really the model compared to an nbfc and ultimately in my belief nbfc is uh, is very good to start with and up to some scale up to some level nbfc model is still very good and it creates a lot of value for uh, all the stakeholders is uh, concerned but if you want to do it on a very sustainable basis over a very long period of time then i think banking format provides that much larger stability to the institution um, is it mainly the asa and the deposit accretion uh, ability that a bank can have which is drawing you to this conclusion or you see furthermore advantages to being a bank banking outfit see one is as a bank you rely on uh, deposits mm-hmm. uh, for your liability mm-hmm. and so you are on your own you are not dependent on someone else mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. go out and you mm-hmm. mobilize your own deposit from the mm-hmm. public and you fund your growth mm-hmm. in an nbfc you are always dependent on a bank to give you a loan mm-hmm. uh, which is one difference every time there's an issue and the banks have some concerns then the lending reduces or stops from the banks and then the nbfcs do go through some you know winter season of funding and right. then till something uh, happens and get mm. regularized so there is always that hiccup that uh, nbfcs do face because of some issues outside the nbfc mm. structure that is one part of it mm. the major part of it mm. is that a bank is something which is a lot more wider platform the ability of a bank to generate revenue comes from multiple streams whereas for an nbfc typically the revenue are a lot more narrow so your ability to sustain that in mm. spite of an external headwinds able to sustain the revenue growth mm. is easier in a banking format because you are not depending on one two or a few revenue mm. heads mm. you are depending on multiple revenue heads the third thing is that from a regulatory perspective banks are extremely uh, mm. strongly regulated by mm. rbi nbfcs are getting there i am not saying they are not but mm. still the difference between the regulatory control over bank to nbfc is still significantly different Mm-hmm. and because of that what happens since you are subject to a lot more regulatory supervision and control mm-hmm. automatically things fall into place and uh, whatever happens happens right things happen and that creates a more sustainable institution mm-hmm. whereas in an nbfc you know the level of uh, supervision regulation being much lesser there's always a concern amongst the regulator Uh, what's happening in the nbfc space whereas in the banks their their concern is much less because they get to know much more what's happening inside mm-hmm. a bank in fact i remember in one um, rbi policy mm-hmm. i think this was long time back maybe 6 7 years back mm-hmm. in one of the monetary policy of rbi when they referred to banks they said banks are instrumental for the economic growth of the country and mm-hmm. so rbi will take lot of steps to ensure that the banking sector mm-hmm. is uh, on a very even keel and on a very uh, strong uh, footing mm. to ensure that the economic growth of the country is well supported by the banks in the same policy in the next paragraph that same uh, policy statement referred to nbfcs the opening statement when they were referring to the nbfc sector was that the systemic risk posed by the nbfcs is something that the regulator is always concerned <laughs> about and uh, regulators will take appropriate steps to ensure that the systemic risk from arising out of nbfc is under control governments and regulators are always going to be supporting the banking model a lot more even though they tighten us 
they keep mm. controlling us they keep mm. tightening mm. us all the time but they are also going to support you this is very contrary to what people often say that when you operate as banks there is very little freedom that you get that's right so the example that i always give is that uh, nbuc is like bachelorhood <laughs> <laughs> you have lots of freedom lots of space not too many people asking you questions yes. but at the end of the day is that really life all about you are i think at the 6th year of completion as sfb today so what you are very proud of when you look back at the 6 year journey as an sfb one is that of course we have a very strong team thankfully you know people have found it good to join equitas mm. and mm. Uh, i believe that we do have a very good uh, reputation in the market as uh, mm. being a very fair and very responsible kind of uh, employer and a very fair and transparent uh, way of dealing with our stakeholders mm. so that helps people to join us uh, who kind of uh, are aligned to the same kind of values so generally we have not had much of an issue in attracting talent at mm-hmm. uh, any level so in the last 6 years one is of course we started from scratch on deposits and today we have about 25000 crores of deposit coming across uh, from maybe couple of million uh, depositors that's something that uh, you know truly we believe is a matter of pride for us that more than 2 million people individuals have found it safe to put their money hard earned money on equitas so that's that's really satisfying to be honest on that we never at any time faced an issue on liquidity right from day one we have been able to get the trust of depositors and people have been able to put their money on us right from the beginning of uh, we becoming a bank so that's something that you know is is gives you a nice feeling that you know so many people are trusting you second thing is that we also broad based our lending mm-hmm. over the last 6 years when we became a bank we were 53% unsecured loans today our unsecured loan is down to 18% and 82% is secured so we have really broad based our assets that's improves our stability you know the volatility of our portfolio is significantly reduced because of this consistent focus on diversifying mm. our uh, portfolio and technology i think that uh, we are definitely one among few banks who are at the forefront of technology changes uh, in the banking industry we have done a few things in the past mm. where we have been clearly able to demonstrate our ability to mm. use digital in a manner that uh, can overcome the fact that we are mm. a small bank we are a new bank we have a small network of branches we have about uh, you know 800 900 branches of which 400 odd is liability branches another 400 odd is uh, asset branches Ooh. so we are small in many respects compared to other banks but when it comes to digital uh, your size and all that is immaterial totally material you know what you what a customer the perceives you on the digital platform mm. he perceives you based on how you present yourself on the mm. digital uh, media to the customer mm-hmm. so there we actually are in a position to compete with any bank on a like to like basis and uh, so that is uh, again a large focus for us where we are doing lot of things to ensure that mm-hmm. we are at the forefront from a digital uh, perspective mm-hmm. so i think these are the few things i believe uh, touch wood the common perception uh, for a lot of people somewhere even in the regulator's head is that sfb as a concept uh, the proof of concept isn't equal to what Uh, one one had envisaged in 2015 when the licenses were awarded your view on this and do you believe sfb as a model is here to stay we will see more participants coming into the fold so they have actually done fairly well in fact they have done so well 
that in one of the monetary policy statements of RBI, I think this must have been in the July or mm. October 2019, mm. just before the corona. They actually mentioned that they are happy with the outcome of SOB performances. Mm. They will now launch a on-tap license for SOB. So RBI said that shortly we will come with an on-tap license for uh, small finance bank mm. uh, licenses mm. because they are actually happy with the mm. performance of the SOB and the fact that we were able to Mm. deliver on the inclusion that we were mandated to deliver, that we are created to deliver. And uh, in uh, November 2019, RBI did come out with a yes. on-tap guidelines yes. for uh, SOPs. Uh, so, to that extent, yes, even at the RBI level, they have recognized that SOPs have done well and supporting that inclusion uh, purpose mm. or agenda. Uh, well enough. When the corona happened, since many of the SFBs have a high level of unsecured uh, exposure, mm. uh, the impact on the financials of the SFBs was mm. uh, quite strong. Mm. A few mm. of us, it was lesser. Mm. You know, some of us had no unsecured at all, mm. so the impact on them was much less. Mm. Some of us, uh, like us, Equitas, mm. we had a smaller uh, unsecured, so the impact was to that extent reduced. But some of the SFBs had a larger unsecured uh, exposure. And the impact on them was much higher. During the corona period, uh, the performance of the SOBs uh, as a whole was mm. not uh, very good. Mm. So mix it back. Yeah. If you take the normal scenario, pre-corona normal scenario, I think SOB is a good model mm. and we are all fairly done well as, as, a, as a unit, as a, as a sector. Maybe you may see that over the next few years, the unsecured portion within the industry should further come down. Mm -hmm. And then the stability of the SOB as a model might be even better than what it is today. Today, we have, we have at least five banks struggling to get valuations, struggling to hit the market. They filed and refiled multiple times. Uh, your stock did go through a little bit of turbulence and also because of technical factors like a reverse merger and all that. But are you happy that you at least went to the market at the right time with the right proposition? We were actually getting ready for an IPO pre-corona. Yes. <laughs> you know, we finished our roadshows in uh, yes. December, Jan and Feb of 2020. Mm. And uh, we were to hit the market in March 20. Mm. Mm. And uh, mm. just a week before our issue was slated to open, we had our first lockdown mm. and then um, of course we couldn't uh, do the IPO after that mm. and uh, so it got postponed and uh, we ended up doing it I think uh, uh, October. October, yeah, few months down the line. So we are happy that we got the IPO done uh, and uh, we had, I think we did the IPO at 32 rupees if mm. I remember right. Mm. Yes, I think the performance of the bank is good and uh, hopefully you know shareholders and all other stakeholders should benefit from the bank's performance. Remember, we told you this podcast is very special for us. That's because we're also experimenting a two-part format of conversation. Yes, there's another one coming a fortnight later to know more about Equitas' journey.